everybody, it's Matt. Welcome or welcome back to the Journey Church Podcast. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you automatically get our weekly episodes. And you might want to subscribe to our Journey Callaway YouTube channel as well. You'll find messages, music, interviews, inspiring stories, and more for you right there. You know, all of us want to look back one day to find a life well lived, but a life well lived requires both wisdom and intentionality. You need the wisdom to know what matters most in life, and you need the intentionality to prioritize those values and decisions day after day after day. And so one way you discover what matters most is you ask yourself this question we've been talking about throughout the series. What breaks your heart? I mean, what's the thing that's so emotional to you you just can't escape it? What's that issue or that problem that grabs you and it won't let you go? What's the thing that makes you say, somebody needs to fix that? You may not know the answer to the question yet, but you need to keep asking it because this question will help you find the roadmap to living your life well. One of the reasons we often resist asking what breaks my heart is because, well, once you know the answer, it requires a commitment that costs you something, doesn't it? You know this. It takes a commitment of your time, your money, your energy, because commitment is the price you pay to create positive change. And here's what I'm convinced is true of you. You are just one commitment away from living a more significant life. You're one commitment away from making a significant difference with your life. You're one commitment away from experiencing a life well lived. I think one of the reasons we feel like our lives aren't quite what they should be is because When God shows us what he wants us to do, we walk right up to the edge of our comfort zone, but we refuse to step out of it. We just won't pay the price. We're too scared to commit. We're afraid it might not work out. We might not have what it takes. We're afraid of failing. We're scared of letting go of our dreams and our goals and our sense of control. We're afraid it might not be worth it. So we just stop right there at the edge of extraordinary because we won't commit. But I'm telling you, you can't experience a life well lived by camping in your comfort zone. Growth and change and meaning and purpose are always found across the border of what's comfortable for me. But there's another reason many of us, I think, resist committing, and it's because we just intuitively know we're not capable of doing whatever it takes to solve that thing that breaks our heart. In other words, we know we need a miracle. We know we're facing something that's too big for us. And so we would need God to help us and do what only He can do, and we start to think, well, if I see God do that, I'll commit. The problem is, that's not how it works. During this series, we've looked at an example of this from the life of Nehemiah. Nehemiah was serving as a cupbearer to the king of Persia, and he had it made. Life was good. The problem was, his heart became broken when he learned about the condition of his Jewish people in the city back in Jerusalem. So while he's living in comfort in Persia, they're living in misery. The walls of Jerusalem are broken down. The gates are destroyed. They had no protection. They had no support. But Nehemiah refused to ignore that just to protect his comfort. He let his heart be broken so badly that he committed himself to approach the king about it, even though it might cost him his life. And after God granted him favor with the king, Nehemiah made the commitment to travel to Jerusalem and oversee the rebuilding of the wall himself. Now that trip from Susa, where he was, to Jerusalem, took a long, dangerous three months. Can you imagine? And once Nehemiah finally gets there, he discovers, well, Jerusalem's worse than he imagined. There was opposition that was waiting to attack. The damage to the walls to the city was far worse than he expected. The morale of the people was lower than he'd hoped. In other words, Nehemiah realized once he got there, there was no way he was going to be able to do this on his own. He couldn't get this wall built before the enemies attacked. He couldn't get the wall built before the people gave up. He needed a miracle. So here's what he did. He gathered all the leaders together, and he told them why he'd come, 
He told them all that the king had done and how the wall needed to be rebuilt. No, remember this. They've been living there for over 100 years with this wall in disrepair. I mean, they know it needs to be rebuilt. But at this point, it seemed impossible to them that they'd ever be able to accomplish that. So Nehemiah does something very wise. He assigns every family in town a little part of the wall to rebuild. He said, you're responsible to rebuild this, and the part of the wall that he gave each of them was right there near their own home. In other words, Nehemiah basically looked at him and said, okay, I want you to do your part right in front of you. Now, that wasn't going to guarantee the wall got rebuilt, but everybody had to start somewhere, and so they did, and they made some progress, and Nehemiah records this in his journal he wrote. Apparently, they made enough progress that it caught the attention of their enemies and this is where the story gets really interesting. Nehemiah writes, But when Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the people of Ashdod heard that the repairs to Jerusalem's walls had gone ahead and that these gaps were being closed, they were very angry. See, when you start pursuing what breaks your heart, you just need to know this. When you start investing your life in what's significant, not everybody's going to like it. That was true for Nehemiah. Nehemiah writes that all these people plotted together to come and to fight against Jerusalem and to stir up trouble against it. Now, I don't think we can fully understand just how terrifying this must have been to have neighboring armies plotting to attack when the Jewish people had no wall to protect them. They were defenseless. This wouldn't have been much of a war. If these armies attacked, the odds were not in their favor. So what were they going to do? They could stop building the wall, but that really wouldn't help anything. So Nehemiah writes this. He says... So we prayed to our God, and we posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. Now, don't miss this. Nehemiah says, when we faced insurmountable odds, we prayed and we asked God for a miracle. But we didn't pray and do nothing. We didn't just pray and wait. We prayed and we posted a guard. We prayed and we acted. We prayed and we did our part. Even though we knew our part wouldn't be enough, we could stand guard, but we weren't going to win the battle. We still did what we could do, and then we trusted God to do what we knew we couldn't do. Now, unfortunately for Nehemiah, that was not the only obstacle he had to deal with. He goes on to write, Meanwhile, while all of these armies are threatening to attack, he writes, The people in Judah, that's the Jewish people who were there, said, The strength of the laborers is giving out. There's so much rubble, we can't rebuild the wall. In other words, this became so discouraging that they're going, People are attacking us. And Nehemiah's going, now everybody's wearing out and wants to give up. They're getting discouraged. It just feels too hard. So Nehemiah has these enemies on the outside threatening to attack. He's got his team on the inside, so discouraged they're ready to quit. And he is at a dead end. You ever felt that way? You ever gotten to the point where you went, man, I thought this was the right thing to do. I thought God wanted me to do this, but there's no way this is going to work out. It's too hard. There are too many obstacles. That's where Nehemiah was. Oh, and then Nehemiah writes, one more problem. We started hearing messages floating through town. Here's what he writes. He says, also our enemies said, before they know it or they see us, we're going to be right there among them. We're going to kill them. We're going to put an end to the work. And then Nehemiah writes that the Jews who lived near them came and told us ten, ten times over, wherever you turn, they'll attack us. And again, they knew they had no way to defend themselves. So here's the question. When you're following God and you hit a dead end, what do you do? Again, Nehemiah believed you do what you can do and you trust God to do the rest. So that is exactly what he did. Nehemiah writes, Therefore, I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places 
posting them by families with their swords, their spears, and their bows. In other words, he looked at them and said, you're going to fight and defend us with the people you love the most because they're going to motivate you to care the most. I want to make sure this is personal and you understand what's at stake here. And then Nehemiah writes, after I looked things over, I stood up and I said to all the nobles, the officials, the rest of the people, don't be afraid of our enemies. Well, why not? We ought to be afraid. Nehemiah goes, no, 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 you don't have to be afraid. Remember the Lord who's great and awesome. In other words, I know it seems insurmountable. Let's just remember we're not doing this on our own. Our God's bigger than any obstacle we're facing. And the same God who's brought us to this will bring us through it. But he's not going to do it without our help, without some action on our part. So Nehemiah says, I want you to remember, and then I want you to fight for your families, for your sons and your daughters, for your wives and for your homes. Remember, what you're doing, the sacrifice you're making, is going to leave a legacy to the people you care about the most. See, when you're trying to follow God and solve whatever breaks your heart, you're going to face some insurmountable obstacles, and you're going to face some unrelenting opposition. So what do you do to keep from being discouraged in the face of challenges and criticism? Well, I'll tell you what you do. You remember who you're fighting for. You remember why it matters. You remember what hangs in the balance of your decision to remain committed. And then you do what you can do, even if you know it won't be enough. You just do what you can do, and you trust God to do what you can't. Don't pray and then do nothing. Pray and act. Trust and take action. Because God moves when you move. God moves when you move. Not before, but when you move. He will show up. He will do what only he can do. He really does work miracles, but he doesn't do miracles until you move first. He doesn't part the waters until you trust him enough to step out in them. He's not going to move that mountain until you walk up to it. God moves when you move, not before you move. And Nehemiah teaches us, if you need a miracle, you move. If you need a miracle, don't just pray and hope. Put some motion to your devotion and do what you can do, trusting God to do what only he can. That's exactly what God ended up doing for Nehemiah. They did their part, even though they knew it wouldn't be enough. And God honored their commitment. Nehemiah writes a little later, when our enemies heard that we were aware of their plot and that God had frustrated, we all returned to the wall, each to our own work. See, Nehemiah knew there was no explanation for why a group of defenseless people who had nothing more than swords and spears and some bows there was no explanation for why they had discouraged an army from attacking except that God had intervened on their behalf. He prevented it. So Nehemiah and the people, they were encouraged. They just kept doing what they could. They kept watching. They kept working. And the result was an extraordinary miracle. Nehemiah writes later, So the wall was completed on the 25th of Elul in, get this, 52 days. I don't think we understand what an amazing accomplishment this was. God took a disillusioned, discouraged group of people who hadn't even tried to rebuild this wall for 100 years, and he helped them accomplish the goal in a record, unexplainable 52 days. But he did it because Nehemiah chose to let his heart be broken by what broke the heart of God. And then he committed to pursue it at the cost of his own life. And when he needed a miracle, Nehemiah chose to pray and he chose to act. Listen, if you're in need of God doing something in your life, this is what I would encourage you to do. Pray and act. 
You do what you can do, and you trust God to do what only he can do. Now, is he going to answer your prayer just like you want? Maybe. Maybe not. But I do know this. The same God who brought you to this will bring you through it. He is not going to abandon you, and he's got a purpose and a plan for whatever's happening in your world. And I can promise you, God's going to move when you move. So what do you need to do? Where do you need to start moving? This is the approach we're taking with our facility we're building right now. In a lot of ways, this has felt as daunting to me as the wall must have felt to those Jewish people. I mean, I haven't shared with you half the challenges we faced. We have faced some things that are not normal building challenges. We've had stuff that our contractor and our architect have said in 50 years of doing business they've never seen. You don't really want to hear that from them, you know? And now we're so close to being there, but we're at the point where it feels like we need a miracle. As I've been sharing with you over the last couple of weeks, We've got a gap of $850,000 we need to raise in nine months to be able to finish this building and make it happen. Feels pretty daunting, but you know what we're going to do? We're going to pray, and we're going to act. We're going to pray, and we're going to give. And today is going to be the start of a miracle that's going to cause people, hopefully all over our community, to say, wait a minute, only God could have done that. I'm telling you, God will move when we move. So today, we're going to start moving together. Now, if you don't consider Journey your home or you're just learning to trust church again, this next part isn't for you. But for all of us who call this church our home, here's what we're going to do today. I want to ask you, one, to share what you plan to give towards this building above your normal giving between now and January of next year. If you haven't shared that with us yet, go to 4Calway.com right now. Let us know what you plan to give between now and January 31st, 2022. The other thing we're going to do today is we're going to kick this off with a special offering. And if you want to give towards the building, the easiest way to do that is to go to 4Calway.com or open up our app and give to the For Our Neighbor Fund. This is how we move. This is how we make it possible for God to move as only he can. And the reason we're doing all of it is simple. Because we know there are hundreds of people who will be inspired to follow Jesus right here at the facility we're building. So, let me close by asking you one more time. What breaks your heart? Would you commit to pursue and to change it? Would you put some motion to your devotion? Don't dream about things be, being different. Go make a difference. Pay the price and sacrifice. You'll never look back and regret it because that is how you move forward toward a life well-lived. Let me pray for us. Father, thanks for always being there, for showing up, and thanks so many times when you have stepped in the gap, when we couldn't, we couldn't do things, but we did our part, and you've always been so faithful to do yours. And so we just want to thank you in advance that you're going to do that again. For those who aren't sure what breaks their heart yet, help them to know. For those who are hesitating because of the commitment required, Help them to take action. And as a church, God, we're so grateful for the opportunity you're giving us to build a facility for this community and a place where people experience your grace. And today, we're choosing to start moving forward, even though we know we don't have everything it takes on our own. So we'll do what we can do, and we trust you to do what you can. And we'll give you all the credit for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, if you'd like more content like this, subscribe to our YouTube channel and download our Journey Callaway app to access all of our recent message content. 
And our app is the easiest way to share this content with a friend. For more information on our church, be sure to visit journeycalway.com. That's journeycalway.com. Thanks for listening. 